Hello everyone and welcome to episode 304 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, the author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cypher book series. How are you, Al? I am okay, Valerie. How are you? Good, 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 good. <laughs> well, you know, I, look, I try very hard to kind of summons up high levels of excitement every week and somehow I'm just fine. I'm fine. I'm good. You're I'm not just... like that excited talking to me every week? No, I am always <laughs> excited to be talking to you, Valerie. That, but that goes without saying. It's just kind of the other stuff that happens around it that I'm, you know, just fair to middling about. But other that's okay. things in life. Well, here's something that might, you know, lift you to a higher plane. Heights. Are yes. you lifting me to heights? I'm looking forward to it. Yes. And that is a five-star review on iTunes from Beck Leds from Australia. And I think I know who that's short for. But anyway, Beck Leds has entitled it A Key to the Writing World. And uh, it goes on to say, having shelved my writing dreams in my late teens so I could live and learn about this crazy world more before I wrote, the time has come to try the dream on for size. But with age comes increasing imposter syndrome. Love listening to the tips and learning the writing lingo as well as the writers in residence and looking forward to diving into a course and attempting my first novel. Thanks, Val and Al. Love your work. There oh, you go. there you go. Now Thank I'm, you so much. Now I have a spring in my step. There you go. You see, I, I knew I could do it. Positively Thank you, springy. Thanks, Beckletts. <laughs> All right. We really appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review. And, of course, if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it does help us in our rankings on iTunes. Believe it or not, it does. So let's move on to the world of writing and publishing this week. Al, you have a post for us from your blog. Oh, people, I have a post for you because what is about to happen? What is coming? What is falling upon us as we speak practically oh, this yeah. right now? Nano Rimo. It's coming. I hope you guys have limbered up. I've been attempting to get all my people limbered up on Facebook for a couple of weeks now. Um, but if you haven't limbered just yet, I have some tips for you tips. on how to get the words written. So this is a post, this is a pretty much, a, if not the, then definitely one of the most posts, uh, most posts, mm -hmm. most popular posts on my entire 10 years of blog, <laughs> blog, um, <laughs> And it is basically my, you know, shorthand uh, tips as well as, you know, links to other posts that I've written throughout my blog about all this stuff, um, which is all about how to get the, the tip, how to get the words written. Yes. Like just how to actually, you've got to write, what is it, 1,667 words a day for yep. 30 days to yep. win NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. Mm -hmm. um, look for the hashtag, hashtag NaNoWriMo if you want to find out more. Um, the website is NaNoWriMo.org. Yep. Um, sign up. It's free. Take the challenge. It's free. Mm -hmm. Find friends and, you know, get 50,000 words written in 30 days. Now, I am not participating in NaNoWriMo this year uh, because I have more than enough on my plate right now um, as far as editing and other things are concerned. However, uh, I know that lots and lots of people in our So You Want to Be a Writer community on Facebook um, are participating. So if you need friends, get in there, make some friends. Um, and, you know, what you don't 
it's one of those situations where I've participated in NaNoWriMo many times, as as you know, Valerie. Mm. Um, I think we've pretty much categorically established that I have never won NaNoWriMo. I have never written 50,000 50, words in 30 days. Um, I think I got to 48,500 words <laughs> in 30 days one so time. Close. I know. Um, but what I have done is had, I think it's like three now, if not four, novels published yeah, from what work. I have started drafting in amazing. NaNoWriMo. So, you know, I'm not saying that those first drafts that I wrote in NaNoWriMo <laughs> ended up being my final product, but they got me started. They got the words down. Um, it is an excellent exercise just for helping to build a writing habit, which, um, as you and I have discussed at length, is one of the most important ways to get a book written mm. is to have that routine and to have that habit. Um, so if you want to have a look at my post, How to Get the Words Written, 10 Tips for Writers, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You'll find it at alisontate.com. Um but, you know, my number one tip is always, 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 it doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter if you do my creative writing boot camp, it doesn't matter if you do my make time to write course, it doesn't matter if you read my blog, it is always going to be that you will never, ever find the time to write. You have to make the time. And this is my number one point to every time someone says to me, oh, I'd really like to write a book one day, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> sit down and do it. <laughs> Words don't write themselves. They have to be written. Um, you have to use the time that you have, not the time you wish That's you had. A really good one. I, really yeah. important. Everybody's just like, you know, one of these days when I'm retired, when the kids go to school, when blah, yeah. blah, blah, I'm going to have a whole day to write. I have never in my life set aside a whole day to write because yeah. I would end up. I don't know, eating chocolate and watching TV probably. Um, writing is not convenient. Uh, and this is something that I have to say. If you have a family in particular, this is something that, um, you know, is, is something that we that has to be talked about. It's not something that is going to be a particularly convenient thing for you to do with a family because families don't always understand why you want to disappear down a rabbit hole for two hours. Mm. Let's face it, that's what happens. Um, so, you know, I... I, I talk about ways around that. I talk about ways that you can, you know, can can do the writing when no one else is going to get upset about it, which is something that I wish we didn't have to do. Mm. I honestly do. But the reality of life is that if this is something that you really want to do, if this is something for you, then you find time in your day when it's just about you mm. and not you know, about sort of, you know, inconveniencing the whole world. I have always stayed up late and written late. Mm. Other people get up at four o'clock in the morning and write in the morning. It depends on your particular uh, biorhythm, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff there too. But, but I just think that uh, it's worth having an understanding of the fact that Writing is a creative process, but getting a book written is all about routine. Yes. And that's the that's the thing I think that needs to be, you know, it's it's balancing those two things and understanding that both of those things need to be present or all you are ever going to have is an idea. And I want to add a tip. For some people, it is get an appropriate device, like a yeah. mobile one. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. there are so many opportunities when you're waiting in the car or when you're at the cafe or when you're waiting at the doctor's surgery that you can be using that time to write but obviously you're not going to carry a giant computer around with you all the time so get a device even if it's an ipad or 
you've already got a phone. If you find it impossible to write in a phone, some people are great at it. I'm not great at it. So I have a keyboard that goes with my phone so that I can literally write anywhere. And there is so much you can achieve if you have a device that is mobile. And if you don't want to carry around a device or whatever, make sure you carry around a notebook and you're using that time to jot down ideas and um, you know, things like that on your notebook. So get one of Valerie Koo's beautiful notebooks yes. because they are inspirational. They have a create an inspiring little creative quote on every page. Um, you know, if you can read your handwriting, take mm. a notebook. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get one of my notebooks. Um, so yeah, definitely. Just make sure that you have the tools with you. So that's why if you don't want to carry around a computer, um, a phone is very light. You're going to carry it anyway get a really lightweight keyboard or a really lightweight notebook so that you don't have that friction, you don't have that thing that makes you think, should I take that in my handbag or not? No, you just automatically always have it in your bag. Yeah. It really does make a big difference. It does. All right, let's move on to another post that is from Cooks and Books called How to Write a Book That Sells. That's um. This is a, a post where a literary agent shares her exact process for researching book ideas. Mm. And one of the key things that she is mentioning is that you need to hang out at the bookstore. You do. It's so true. It's an interesting thing because, of course, uh, you know, as far as this literary agent is concerned, a book starts and ends in a, in a bookshop, doesn't it? Because, um, and this is advice, I think if you think back on a lot of the author interviews that we have done, um, this is something that does come up uh, quite a bit as well, is that sense of if you're going to write something, if you're going to put two years of your life into something, which is often how long a book actually, like, takes to, from from start to finish, mm. um, you you need to have an understanding if you want it to sell. Like this is this is obviously, you know, this is you wanting to actually sell your book to a traditional publisher or, you know, whatever, get it out there into the world. A lot of people want to just write a book for them and that's fine. Mm. This is you looking at with a, you know, if you really want to get it out there into the world, particularly through a traditional publisher, you have got to have some understanding of how the market works as well mm. and where your book might fit. And that, I think, is what uh, the, the crux of this advice is uh, from um, uh, Cooks and Books is basically you want to go to the bookshop, you want to have a look at what is selling right now, look at the bestseller shelves. If you are writing romance or you are writing children's fiction or you are writing YA or you are writing whatever it is that you are writing, go to those shelves have a look at what is on the shelves at the moment. Think about where would your book fit on this shelf? Because when you actually pitch a book, when you go to set, you know, or even if you're choosing an Amazon category for it, you have to have an understanding of what is in the market with it. What are you competing against? Because you are, as an author, there is, you know, it's a, it's a lovely industry um, in the sense that authors are incredibly supportive of each other, et cetera. But when a, a, somebody comes to a, a bookshop and they are scanning shelves and they don't know you and they don't know the person next to you, they are looking at what's on that shelf and they are comparing your book to something else, something else that they've read, something else that they've loved, something that's sitting next to it on the shelf, and you have to give some thought to mm. what those books are because particularly, and this is, I think, particularly important with nonfiction as well, if you're pitching a nonfiction book, 
to a publisher, you have to be able to tell them what your competition is. You have mm. to be able to – and why your book is different. You have to be able to tell them what makes your book stand out, but you need to show them that you understand the market that your book is also in. So go to the bookshop, go to the library, have a look at what's out there. Bookshop probably more important because it's about what's actually actively selling right now. Um, the other thing that the this this post um, points out is that you need to think about your author bio. Mm. So the best way to think about your author bio is to have a look at what other people are putting in their author bios. What is it about this? Is there anything about this author in that bio that makes you go, oh, that sounds exciting, I'll read this book because they understand this, they have expertise in this area, they have whatever. So look at the author bio um, and then go home and stalk those authors so that you can see what they're doing online, what kinds of other books they're writing, how are they positioning themselves, what does their Instagram feed look like. These are all things that you are going to have to think about um, down the track. So you might as well do the research up front, have an idea of what you're doing early. That's all, And that's basically the, the crux of this article is to know what it is that you're doing early. Yeah. I think that also talking to the bookshop, the, the ones that, are, that, you know, the, the bookshop owners or the booksellers mm. um, or the people who work there on a fairly full-time basis to gauge what they think and and why they think certain books sell is always mm. useful intel as well. So make sure that you do that. Yeah. All right. Some good links. Now let's move on to our competition this week. We have three copies to give away and you can win one of those three copies of In Darkness Visible by Tony Jones, as in the Tony Jones. So in 2005, Marian Katic, living in Croatia under an alias, is being watched. Before the year is out, he has been assaulted, arrested, charged with serious war crimes and locked up in prison waiting for his case to come before the International War Crimes Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. In Sydney, Anna Rosen, a freelance journalist, is emailed photos of a man she knows to be dead, gunned down in a brutal ambush in Bosnia over a decade ago, a man she once loved but who had betrayed her. Is it possible that the photos really are of Marin Katic? And if so, what the hell had happened in 1992? Intriguing, gripping and believable, Tony Jones has used worldwide political history to create a second sensational thriller. So this is Tony Jones' second novel. And yes, this is the Tony Jones who is the journalist and um, often then the ABC hosted, you know, Late Line for a long time. Um, yeah, that Tony Jones. So you <laughs> can win one of three copies. Just go to writercenter.com.au slash win. To enter, entries close on the 4th of November. And don't worry, if you're there in the future, there will be some other fabulous competition for you to enter over at writercentre.com.au slash win. All right, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, Val, I'm <laughs> so ready. I'm so glad. I'm so ready. Friable, F-R-I-A-B-L-E, friable. I know what it means. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you oh, know why I know what it no, means? It's me. it's a quite common term in gardening, Valerie. Really? What's friable in gardening? Well, you need to you need to probably right. explain what it is, and then I'll explain sure. why it's it's useful in gardening. All right. So it sounds like it might refer to something you're able to fry, but 
it's not that. <laughs> friable refers to something that is easily crumbled or reduced to powder. Like you might say that peanut brittle was very friable when it shouldn't be really. No. Mm. Okay. So a friable soil is mm. what you're kind of after in your garden. You want it has oh. you want it to have that crumbly texture because then it's got there's good room for your root growth and it's yeah. excellent if you're growing carrots and stuff like that mm. because it's got the you know the, your your carrots are not coming across a huge wadge of clay yes. no when the root is developing right. so you don't end up with those weirdly shaped stunted kind of you know you know how you get those carrots I don't know if you've ever grown a carrot but no. when you grow <laughs> when you grow carrots sometimes they can end up like the weirdest shapes and it's got to do with how you know with your soil and how mm. kind of compacted it is once you get down to a certain level in your soil so friable soil is excellent gardening okay that's a good one that's better than my example actually so friable try and use that in the sentence or do some gardening and spot some friable soil all right <laughs> let's move on to our writer in residence this week this week we're talking talking to nicola moriarty and she her most recent uh, book is called the x and it's one of those you know um uh what do you call it um, domestic noir, I think. And um, it is uh, one in a long list of books because she has written Those Other Women, The Fifth Letter, Free Falling, Paper Chains. She's a very prolific author based in Sydney and, of course, comes from a very – has a, you know, huge literary pedigree because her sisters are Jacqueline Moriarty and Leanne Moriarty. Clearly there's something in the water in their household when they were growing up. But uh, we have a good old chat with Nicola Excellent. Moriarty. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nicola. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your latest book, The X. Now, for readers who haven't read the book yet, can you tell them what it's about? Sure. Uh, so it is about a girl called Georgia who is at the stage of her life where she's ready to settle down and meet somebody Um uh, all of her brothers are either married or getting married. She's got the career, but, yeah, she just wants to meet somebody special. Uh, and she meets a guy called Luke who seems pretty perfect, seems like a great package. Um, but then it turns out that Luke has an ex-girlfriend named Cadence uh, who, unfortunately, he's still living with and who is also still uh, in love with him and still obsessed with him. And um, uh, Georgia starts to get um, this sense that she's being followed and threatening notes left on her car and nasty text messages. Uh, and that's all I can say without giving anything yeah. away. <laughs> all right. So um, can you tell us how this idea started to form, how this premise developed in your brain? Is it something that happened to you? <laughs> no, nothing like that has happened to me. Um, and the really annoying thing about this is that the main thing uh, that sparked this idea if I explain it, we'll give away major spoilers. Okay, because, let's not yeah. do that then. Yeah, but basically it was the um, something that happens later in the book is, is what sparked sure. the idea. 
Yeah. All right. So this is, you, as you said, Georgia is at an age where she's looking to settle down and she's, um, you know, dating. And mm-hmm. a lot of the scenes about dating are really real and they're really, um, you know, the scenes at the pubs and stuff like that. Now, I imagine that because you've got two kids and you're kind of settled into family life, this is a different world to your current world. Yes. So what did you do to get into that headspace and, you know, what goes on with, with those people? Even though it's not much difference, it's probably only, you know, eight years difference or ten years different, but it's a different life stage. It is, yeah. It is a different stage. And while I definitely would have been, uh, you know, thinking about what it was like when I was dating, I know that there's so many different things today. Like when I was mm. dating, there was no Tinder. And um, actually I wasn't even on Facebook when I, before I met my husband. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, had, I didn't have the social media world or dating apps or anything like that. So I guess there was a little bit of um, – chatting to friends who are still dating, a little bit of imagination. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was was difficult actually getting myself into that um, headspace and and wondering what it would be like for me if I was dating Mm. in this day and age as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was not easy. (laughs) And so apart from getting into that headspace, Georgia is a nurse and there's some other characters who are, you know, hospital related. Did you, do you have a connection to the hospital or did you have to do research to understand, you know, some of the procedures that you've described or some of the drugs that you've described? Uh, that one was really good because I have three friends who, is it just three? At least three friends mm-hmm. who are nurses right. um, and then uh, even a couple more as well who are in the medical profession. So I actually took them all out and got them drunk and <laughs> then um, asked them. Is a tax deduction? <laughs> I don't know. I just grilled them for heaps and heaps. So I asked lots of specific questions, but I also just tried to get them talking about their um, day-to-day working lives so I could get I wanted to try and hopefully get that feel for mm. what their jobs are like I also I spent a day just kind of wandering around a hospital as well and kind of mm. sitting down in different spots and you know when you're trying to get the feel for what the sounds are and, and what you can see and mm. and all of that kind of thing but definitely having those friends who are nurses was a, a massive help and they were very generous with their information and time probably because I was giving them drinks so yeah (laughs) now when you're dealing with like a something that unfolds like this that's like a psychological thriller oh the pacing is so important and so is that the unfolding so that the reader only you know finds out bits at a time how did Mm -hmm. you um how did you map that out did you kind of already know what was going to happen before you started writing or did you um just let it unfold to you Mm. um it a little bit of both because I guess I had in mind my big kind of climax of the book was something that I did know Mm. but then I didn't really know quite how we were going to get there or how it would all resolve itself afterwards I I knew nothing of that I just had this one idea of this is the big thing that I want to have happen Uh, so then the rest of it kind of came as far as then just writing and like you say sort of letting it 
unfold and and seeing where it took me Mm. um and then on top of that in the editing process so the very first draft is quite different to what it ended up being I I had some um, major changes to the ending and then um and then on top of that throughout the editing process the editors kind of worked with me for a lot of okay pull back on this throughout because you're giving too much away um that kind of thing or you know let's build that suspense a bit more all that kind of thing Mm. got um yeah developed more afterwards I guess yeah so I'm sure this doesn't give anything away but when (laughs) you you you, one of the things that you do really well is actually have these two points of view Mm -hmm. and they they're very distinct and they are quite different in terms of you know, one's third person, one's first person. Did you do that deliberately? Uh, like how did you make a decision as to how to write the points of view? I think uh, I think it's safe to say that one one is one woman and one's another woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think that gives anything away to to know that you hear both voices. And I think uh, it happened for a couple of reasons. So, for instance, Georgia being third person, when I actually first started writing her and I was trying to get into it, I actually started her as first person and that Mm -hmm. kind of got it flowing for me and then at a certain point, I don't know, maybe not even not even a chapter in, I suddenly went, okay, I've got her working now, but now it feels more natural to switch her to third person and that just felt right for her. Mm. Whereas for Cadence, I think I started off writing her more as a um, uh, almost like stream of consciousness. Mm. I was kind of imagining, you know, possibly even I was thinking, oh, would she be writing in a diary? Is she writing blog posts? And and it just felt more right to be first person for her. So even though it didn't end up being, you know, diary or anything like that, it just, I don't know, it seemed to suit her. Mm. So it wasn't, it was just kind of what what worked best for me for the for the characters yes so you mentioned that it was a little bit of both in terms of you you knew the climax but and that you knew some bits but then you let other bits unfold there's there's kind of like three main characters that are quite intertwined with their activities mm-hmm. you know as in um what they're actually physically doing that day how did you get that right because did you plot it out on some kind of graphical thing to make sure that you weren't contradicting yourself or or what yeah again um not so much at the beginning as I was going I was just kind of you know right so I can see where the story takes me but then more afterwards then I had an excel spreadsheet where I was okay if this is happening then and you know this is happening over here with this character and like you say it kind of needs to link up that's where I started kind of needing to just jot down little notes of this scene this scene this scene and and line it up in in Excel and, and yeah, discover things where, hang on a sec, she can't be doing this on this day because it doesn't make any sense or this can't be a Saturday, mm. <laughs> those kinds of things. So, yeah, but I prefer not to do it um, while I'm writing because otherwise it can stop the flow sometimes, I think. Yes. So with um, the actual process of writing, once you figured out, okay, I'm going to write this manuscript, did you give yourself can you just give us a little bit of an idea of the timeline? Like, first of all, did you have a time? Uh, have you have a set time frame that you had to write it in? And um, whether you did or not, did you have some kind of word count goal, or how did you actually drive yourself to to get the words down? 
Uh, so I work best when I have a deadline. Um, I find if I don't have an actual deadline, then I'm very good at procrastinating. And so um, I was uh, lucky enough that this one had already been um, contracted by publishers. So I had a deadline for it and I think it was, I think it probably took me something like eight or nine months, I'd say. And And usually even with that time, I still procrastinate at the beginning, even though I know that, you know, it would be so much easier on myself if I just got to work earlier. Mm. I still look at it and I go, oh, months and months. I'll just, you know, let the ideas sit for a while. And then as it gets closer, I start to panic. And that's when I do start setting word count goals when it literally Mm. comes down to, you know, it's it's due in 60 days and if I don't write 3,000 words every day, then I'm in trouble. So, yeah, yeah at that point I do start setting myself um, goals of, of word counts. And so if you do that, though, what does your day look like? <clears throat> Can you tell us, you know, whether you have some kind of writing routine and whether you don't let yourself stop until you reach your 3,000 or whatever it is words? Yeah, it's a little bit, um, I'm still not that good. Even when I have to be, I'm still not amazing at being disciplined. But usually what I would find was that as long as I could have a good day where I might, you know, it might go wonderfully well and I could write 5,000 words, then I'd know that the next day Mm. if I struggled a bit and it was only 1,000 words, then it would sort of average out. So I was constantly recalculating and going, (laughs) okay, if this has happened here, then now I need 4,000 words per day or now, you know, next week I'm okay to only write 2,000 words. Um, But the plan for the day normally is to um, I have to leave the house because I find if I'm at home I get too lonely and um, and distracted as well. Whereas if I go out somewhere to um, I've got a couple of favourite cafes where they don't mind if I take up a table for most of the day. Um, So you like writing in cafes? Yeah, yeah. I much prefer to be out and, you know, around other people so that, you know, I'm not kind of, yeah, just having that loneliness, you know, being Mm. a writer can be so isolating. Uh, Do you write on a computer at the cafe? Yeah, so I'll take my laptop and work on that. I usually only use a notebook if it's just kind of jotting down quick thoughts here and there, but generally, yeah, it'll be on my laptop and, um, And generally I like to be able to kind of have a chat with somebody every now and again Mm -hmm. um, so I feel part of the world. And then, you know, then sometimes if I get really focused um, or if I really need to focus, then I might put earphones in and listen to music. I like writing to music as well. Mm. Um, But, yeah, just prefer generally to be out in the world. And so did you always want to be a writer, like from when you were a child? When did you decide, you know, this is my thing? Uh, so when I was young, so I always loved reading as well. Um, so loved stories. Um, uh, both, you know, my elder sisters would make up stories for me, which I always loved. Loved reading books. And then in year five, I wrote a story that my beautiful year five teacher, Mrs. Walsh, read out to the class. And I remember mm-hmm. a bit that feeling of pride that, mm-hmm. that she read it to the class. And I remember thinking then that I wanted to be a writer. Although at that stage, I thought oh, I want to grow up and um, do children's books is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I left high school, I did kind of abandon that dream for a while because it's, it just seemed like the impossible dream. I, I kind of thought, how do you go about becoming 
a writer. <laughs> I didn't really know what, you know, what you would do. Um, and then it wasn't until, and, and I just kept going through all sorts of different jobs and careers and really not settling into anything. And it wasn't until I sat down to write a short story one night just for the fun of it um, that when I finished the short story, I looked at it and went, this doesn't feel like a short story. It feels like the start of something else. And that ended up, and I went, I'm just going to keep going with it. And it ended up being the first chapter of my first book. But mm. that took me three years to write. Right. Now, it's actually, um, interestingly, no surprise to me that you like writing in cafes because there's lots of scenes in this book that are in public places kind of where there's lots of people who are potentially having drinks or socialising or whatever and you've really captured that, you know, um, there's there's scenes in a pub in Castle Hill and Bella Vista and um, they just seemed like the exact scenes that of my, of, you know, some years ago when I used to hang out at the Great Northern Hotel. (laughs) And and I'm interested to know why you picked these areas, Bella Vista, Castle Hill, Artarman. For those listeners who aren't from Sydney, these are suburbs of Sydney that are just like really normal suburbs, aren't they? Yeah, it's yeah, it's not um your normal setting as far as it's not a particularly exciting setting. Um and it just kind of happened because I was at the very beginning I was gonna set it in Newtown and as I was writing it I just kept going, even though, you know, I know Newtown, I I've never lived there, so I don't know it that well. And I just was getting that feeling like it wasn't authentic. I wasn't getting the real sense of it, I don't think. And then uh, one day I suddenly went, why am I choosing this place? Why not just have it some, you know, my own local area? And as soon as I did that, I started to feel more comfortable with it. Mm. And um, and then um, happily it's kind of turned out that I've had people say to me, apart from people who are local and saying oh, it's great to read about local areas, mm. I have also had other people say to me, oh, it's just really nice for it to just be this normal, everyday suburban setting and, and you know, that therefore it makes it feel like the um, um, the drama going on could happen to anybody. And I kind of went, oh, I wish I could say I planned it that way, but, <laughs> but I didn't, but I'm glad that it worked out that way. Well, here's the freaky thing because it is very, very authentic and it really does feel like those places and it really felt like, you know, the pubs that I used to go to. Um, and 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 this isn't a spoiler either, but uh, sure. the the ex lives in Francis Road, Artaman, yes. and I just almost keeled over because my ex lived in Francis Road, oh. Artaman, <laughs> and it's a really short street. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Not only is it a really short street, the way you describe the building and the entryway and everything was like, oh, my God, I think it's the same building. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was really worried for a second you were going to say, and there are no buildings like that on Francis Street. I was going to go, oh, no, I didn't research well enough. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Oh, wow. um, It's so funny when things like that happen. (laughs) It's so bizarre because Francis Road is a very short road. So what are the chances? (laughs) I know, yeah. Because I did, I lived in Artarman for a short while, but I was on um, like Pacific Highway. I was on the mm. main road, so I kind of went. I wanted a building similar to where I lived many years ago when my husband and I first got together, but I, I wanted it to be in you know 
kind of tucked away somewhere. So mm. I pretty much just looked at the map and, and, and picked one. <laughs> <laughs> that is so freaky. All right. So um, what are you, are you already working on your next thing? And if so, did you think about that when you finished this or were you already thinking about that when you were still writing this? Uh, so yes, I am definitely working on something new at the moment, and I, I'm trying to remember if the idea was there at all towards the end of finishing this one. It might have been, yeah, it might have been floating around a little bit, or I might have had a few different um, ideas, very vague kind of concepts floating around, sort of ready to say to the publishers, you know, once they were at the stage of, okay, what's coming next? Um, and then, um, and so I, and I did send to them once I was done with this, I think three different ideas. Um, and they came back and said, this is the one that we want you to work on. Mm. Um, shall I describe it now? Would you? Yes, please. Uh, so the one that I'm working on at the moment, uh, it doesn't have a title yet, but it is about a, um, or it opens with a major car accident on the side of a freeway on Christmas Eve, Mm. um, like a big, uh, four car pile up. And then quite quickly, the realization that um, all four cars were being driven by members of the same family who were all traveling on convoy to go away for Christmas together. Uh, and then it, it goes back to the weeks leading up to Christmas to have a look at this big extended family and figure out why this car accident has happened. And so you're looking at um, a mother of a newborn who's maybe a bit sleep deprived mm. and somebody else who's drinking a bit during the day and maybe drinking a bit more than they should be and a matriarch of the family who's um, got this big secret that she's keeping and teenager who's, you know, just on their L's and having trouble at school. So all these different people who may or may not have um, caused the car accident. And um, I'm, at the moment I'm liking it to the um, Pamela Allen book who sank the boat and um mm. and seeing it at the moment as my grown-up version of who sank the boat yeah, right. <laughs> and so how far into it are you I am about a third of the way into it at the moment um right. and it's and it's at the stage now where I'm kind of starting to get excited about about getting towards the climax mm. and, and wanting to jump ahead as well because, you know, when you're trying to get there but also trying to build everything up. So, um, yeah, hoping hoping that it will start writing faster for me <laughs> magically <laughs> by itself. Yeah, it will do that, won't it? <laughs> okay. So. And, and finally, what's your top three tips, your top three bits of advice for aspiring writers who want to be in a position where you are one day and have their books published? Sure. Um, I would say, uh, number one, read lots. Um, always keep reading and, and maybe read all sorts of different books and read for the enjoyment of it as well as for, um, you know, just kind of um, helping helping you with your writing. Uh, number two, I would say if you're having any trouble kind of staying motivated or getting bored with what you're writing um try just for the fun of it sometimes doing different types of writing different genres I found when I was at uni and I studied 
writing. Um, I found that getting the opportunity to do, you know, nonfiction writing or to write in all sorts of different genres that weren't the normal thing that I would like to write really kind of opened me up to new ideas and things and made me feel excited about writing. Mm. Uh, And number three tip, I would say, um, oh, write, um, you know, when it comes to if, if you're wanting to write a novel, don't worry about what is the um, best-selling novels out at the moment mm. or what the genre is that, you know, everybody seems to be looking for because, for one thing, it's constantly changing anyway, but for another thing, um, what you write is going to be, um, your your best writing is going to be if you're writing what you want to write, what, mm. what feels right for you and natural for you. So, yeah, so write what you want to write and not what you think is going to sell or what you think publishers want or anything like that. That yeah. is great advice. And on that note, congratulations on the X and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our eight-week course, Novel Writing Essentials, focuses on getting your manuscript off to the best possible start. Whether you've already started your opening chapters or just have a story ID, this course will help you shape the beginning of your novel through weekly lessons and workshopping in a supportive online environment. In doing so, you'll avoid potential mistakes down the track and meet the course goal of getting your first 20,000 words of your novel in the bag. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning online with your very own tutor and classmates providing direct feedback on your writing. You can find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash novel essentials. That's writercentercomau slash novel essentials. There you go, Nicola Moriarty. So, As you say, definitely something in the water. Yes, something in the water for sure. All right. So we're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Al? Uh, gosh, I think we've had this conversation, Al, Al stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have something to say finally this week. Oh, oh okay. Yay, By the go. time this episode is released, I will be over in Hawaii. Oh. I know. You meant to sound a bit more excited than that, Al. <laughs> Well, I am excited. I, I just forgot. <laughs> excited for me. I'm thrilled for you. I'm a little bit sad I'm not going with you. I don't understand why, you know, your podcast co-host is not just automatically <laughs> packed at all times. But anyway, what will uh, you be doing in Hawaii, well, Valerie? Well, I am working. I'm going to a um, conference and I'm a facilitator at the conference. So it's going to be um, – you know, really fun, a great group of women, and I really enjoy facilitating these conferences. And it's going to be in Kona, which is on the big island of Hawaii, And um, but you have to go through Waikiki there and back um, in order to get there. And I love Hawaii because I love, A, Hawaii Five O, both the old version and the new version, and B, Magnum PI. I like the old version, not so much the new version. And, um, yeah, it's just a great place. And my big um, – <laughs> Of course you like two TV series. Do you yes. wear Hawaiian shirts when you go there? No, but I wear, you know, floral dresses. 
And more importantly, I'm prepared this time because last time I was at Waikiki, I just really wanted to loll about on in the ocean on a pink flamingo, inflatable, but right. I didn't have one and I went to all the shops nearby and they didn't have one either. So now I've pre-ordered and um, ensured that it will be, it's in my suitcase and so I will definitely have a pink flamingo. You're taking it with you. Yes, because that's my dream to like, I have, you know, I don't set the bar very high. Oh, you really don't, do you? That is hilarious. <laughs> to float or loll about on Waikiki Beach in the ocean on a pink, pink flamingo inflatable. I, I need, there will have to be photos, I'm sorry. But I don't know but how because I can, I'm not going to bring my phone into the ocean. Just get someone to take it for you, Valerie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's no pick, it didn't happen. Isn't that how it works? Oh. I don't know. Maybe. I'll see what I can do. But I've acquired the pink flamingo, so, yes, very exciting. can't believe you're taking a pink flamingo with you. Why not? I can't just get, well, just because I thought you'd be able to get one in Hawaii. The only person to make your dreams come true is you. So true. Okay. <laughs> Self-catering on the pink flamingo exactly. right there. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All, All right. right. So on that note, where do we find you online, Al? I just, I don't know, I'm just stuck with your dream loaf theory here just for a minute. Um, where will you find me? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer and you will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you, Val, where would we find you? Well, online you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. And in real life you'll find me on a pink flamingo inflatable lolling about on Waikiki Beach. I swear if there's no photo, there's going to be trouble, okay? All right, I'll try. The whole, I'm telling you, no the whole promises. community is waiting for that photo. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.